Thanks for checking out the New Life Speakers podcast. All of our speakers are recorded live at our AA meeting held on Friday nights at 8 p.m. at the Atonement Church in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania. More information about recovery and our upcoming events can be found on our website, newlifespeakers.org. If you don't want to miss our newest upcoming speakers, don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications. This podcast is self-supporting, so if you enjoy this podcast, please put a dollar or two into our virtual basket. You can find a link for this in the description. And if you know someone in need, please share this with them. Thank you. My name is Mike, and I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, this is truly a uh, honor and privilege to you know ever share my story. So, Chris, thank you for uh, asking me to speak. Um, and to qualify myself quick, my uh, sobriety date is November fifth, twenty seventeen. I have a sponsor. I've been through the twelve steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I sponsor other men. Uh, my home group is Men's Advent Church in uh, West Reading. At Tuesday nights at 8 o'clock. Um, and I try to do this thing to the best of my ability. Um, you know, the book says our stories disclose in a general way what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like today. And that's what I'm going to go off of today. So, uh, growing up, I lived uh, probably a mile away from the Springview group in the Sinking Spring. And, uh, you know, I grew up in the picture perfect white picket fence house with the dog and um but inside of the home it was chaos it it was very dysfunctional um and from a very early age uh i learned how to put the mask on you know as soon as i'd leave the house i had to act a certain way um but inside the home man it was it was it was violent it was dysfunctional and um it allowed me to be a chameleon very early on um, and quickly, you know, real, realizing that, you know, normal families don't operate like this, uh, you know, I was kind of destitute to have a kind of a, a rough, a rough life. Um, but, uh, school, you know, school was a, was a struggle for me all the way up through college. Um, I hated it. I hated sitting in a classroom, um. You know, I was a very high-energy little kid. And I, you know, quite honestly, I was just kind of a pain in the ass. And um, yeah, school was never really my thing. And, you know, I was in every remedial reading and math class up to up to college. And, you know, school was rough for me. Um, but, yeah, my, you know, my childhood, you know, living in dysfunction, living in, living in a violent home. Um, and then I got to an age where, you know, I'd go out and, and stay at friends' houses and, and quickly realize that, like, not all families were like mine, right? Not all families operated like mine. And, you know, it gave me some peace. It was like, shit, like, I don't have to experience this. So I started staying at friends' houses over the weekends. And um, so, you know, ninth grade comes along. My parents get a divorce, which was probably the, the best thing that could have happened to the family. And... uh my mom left a case of beer in the basement. So I had a bunch of buddies come over for a fire at my house and uh, took this case of beer out the Belco doors. And um, that was the first time I got drunk. And uh, I can't say I had the feeling that many people say in the rooms of like, I want to feel like this all the time, but, but I like the feeling. I like the effect produced by alcohol from, a, from the first time that I drank. And I think from, from then on, I was an alcoholic. 
from the first time that I picked up a drink, I drank alcoholically. I was wasted. Um, but it was fun, and it was new, and it was exciting, and I felt like an adult at 14, and, and, um, and, that's, and that's what happened. You know, I, I do that for, you know, on the weekends all through high school, and, um, you know, for me, pe- people let things slide. I, I wrestled when I was in high school, and, and as long as I got, you know, a C average and, and competed at a decently high level, like, the drinking was okay, and I did that throughout my high school career and and um you know it was fun for the first two years until the consequences came and and by 16 I had my first underage drinking charge um the day after I got my license it got taken away the next day um and 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 it was just more of that um more more uh just getting in trouble constantly um, as soon as I pick up a drink, and it's not all the time, and this confused me very early on. Um, I don't have to drink every day to be an alcoholic, but when I pick up a drink, I drink to, I drink to excess. You know, once that phenomenon of craving develops in my brain, like I'm screwed. Um, and yeah, I drank like that all through high school. Um, blackout drinker, angry drinker. You know, they call me the Jekyll and Hyde drinker. Um, alcohol and little man syndrome never really mixed um so you know i i go to college i get a scholarship to wrestle at shippensburg and uh again my first weekend there i'm arrested and at this time i'm I'm realizing that the drink is just not doing what it's supposed to be doing but i can't i can't get away from it it's always there you know i'm I'm in college i i can't get away from i want to stop drinking but I just don't know how. I don't have a solution. Um, and I white-knuckle it. And, and this also made things confusing. Is like when I was wrestling in college, I'd have you know probably about five months of sobriety throughout that season. And, you know, but as soon as that season ended, I'd be you know, back where I left off. And um, But at 19 years old, it's uh, – and this is really the, the, the dynamic that started the shift. I, I was 19 years old, and uh, it was my brother's 21st birthday party. And me, the 19-year-old, of course, has to be the most outrageous drunk person there. And uh, I ended up getting in a fight with Glass. And if you ever have fought Glass before, you typically don't win. And I sliced my arm really bad and um, cut nine tendons in my arm, severed a nerve... And uh, I woke up in the hospital the next day, and um, the doctor woke me up, and he was like, hey, you, you, you might not be able to use your hand again. And, you know, I remember sitting there and realizing what I did and, like, that my wrestling career is gone now. And, and uh, I remember sit, sitting there, like, completely defeated. Like, how did, how did this happen? You know, I went out to have a couple drinks and I'm sitting in a hospital bed, you know, with a doctor telling me that I'm not going to be able to to use my hand again. Um, and that was like the first realization of like, I need to stop drinking. Like this drinking thing isn't working. And that was that was at 19. Um, but I'm sitting in that hospital bed and, and I get I get a, a morphine shot. And I, and I understand this is an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and I mean to show respect for that, but. 
Um, I get this morphine shot, and I'm like, I, I had that feeling again like I did with my first drink. And it was like, damn, I want to feel this way all the time. Um, and that's where, you know, the uh, drug part of my story starts. Um, was from sitting in that hospital bed and, and getting that shot of morphine. Um, but, you know, I tried white knuckling this thing for a very long time. I tried, you know, using uh, the wrestling thing as a crutch. I tried to use uh, weightlifting as a crutch. I tried to just smoke weed. I, you know, I tried to drink wine, tried to drink good beer. Like, nothing ever worked. I never drank like a gentleman, ever. Um, but I was, I was determined to figure out how to drink successfully. I mean, I, I really wanted to figure this thing out. And, you know, I, rem- I remember going out and being like, saying to myself before I went out, Mike, you were only having four drinks tonight. And believing it in my soul that I'm only going out here drinking four beers. And every fucking time, I couldn't keep that promise to myself. Once I drink one, I want more. You know, and the best analogy I ever got was like, once I drink one, it's like I'm holding my breath for the next one. And I'm holding it a little bit longer for the third one. And I'm holding it even longer for the fourth one until I get to this place of complete oblivion. And that's where I want to be. So, you know, I try, try to do this on my own. It doesn't work. Consequence after consequence. Um, and I'm not here to highlight my drinking, you know. I belong here. You know, I should have had five underage drinking charges by the time I was 19. I think that says enough in itself. Um, but there came a time where the drink just stopped working. And I'm a senior in college now. Um, I'm not wrestling anymore. I quit. I don't have that crutch anymore. And I'm drinking every day. And I'm doing pills every day. And I get to this place of... To where, like, I can't, I can't really look myself in the mirror. You know, I, I hate what I've become. I, I hate that I have no drive and I have no purpose. And, and um, I hate the fact that nobody wants to be around me anymore. You know, and that's how I drank, man. I, I was a burden. I was such a burden. Like, don't bring that kid out to this party. Like, don't, don't bring him over here. Like, that's, that's how I was, you know. Um... But I get to this place that, that, as simply as I can say it, you know, I was like, I just didn't want to be here anymore. You know, this, this thing was a fucking chore, and I hated myself, and I hated what I was doing. And to me, because I tried to figure this thing out on my own so many times, and I couldn't ever do it. And to me, the only option that I had was I was going to leave this place. And I was ready to do it. And I get emotional talking about that because I, because I believed I was going to do it. Um, just because of how much pain I was in. You know, I, I remember, I remember uh, being a senior in college and, and quitting the wrestling team and, and feeling like my identity has gone and I have no purpose and I have no drive. And I was working at this... Uh, this landscaping company and I was getting paid $10 an hour and my boss was a fucking asshole and um, I couldn't do anything right. I felt stupid, you know, and I remember coming home one Saturday, working a 12 hour day and just getting effed all day and uh, coming home 
in my little apartment, 235 East Orange Street in Shippensburg, and grabbing a PBR out of the fridge and sitting on my couch and being like, this is what my life's going to be like forever. And at that moment, I was okay with that because it was comfortable for me. Um, as long as I got a little bit of that ease and comfort that the drink gave me, I was okay. I was okay to work a shitty job. I was okay to be miserable. I was okay to hate myself. As long as I had that time sitting on the couch drinking a beer. And, uh, you know, I look, I look back on that kid today and, I'm, and I'm, it's, it's sad. That's a sad place to be, you know. Um, I'm 21 years old. I'm in college. I'm getting good grades. And, and you know, I, on the outside, I, you know, I have my whole life ahead of me. But in, inside of me, like, I hate me. I hate everything that I am. I hate what I've become. I hate how I treat people. And I hate myself. Um, and that's what the drink does to me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't just hurt me. I hurt everybody around me. I'm a, I'm a tornado that uh, is very destructive. And uh, so this is around probably uh, October of 2017. I remember, you know, I'm, I'm telling myself every day when I wake up in the morning, like, this is the last one. This is the last one. And I go out and I do it again and I do it again and I do it again. Until I got to a place of, like, utter desperation and I didn't have any other choices you know I had I had an understanding of who God was from from my upbringing um I didn't have a relationship with him but but I got on my knees and I prayed and I remember praying God I don't know why I feel this way I just want to be happy and I said that and uh probably about two a week later, two weeks later, I'm drinking at a bar with somebody in this room. It's called Aruga's on King Street in Shippensburg. And I'm sitting there and I'm forcing myself to get drunk because I'm so uncomfortable with who I am and who I'm around. And the drink just stopped working, stopped doing its job. And uh, I remember sitting there very uncomfortable with myself and getting up and I left. And this time I had like eight beers in me and, and, and I was able to get up from a bar and leave. So internally, I'm kind of proud of myself, right? For me to leave eight beers in, that's a, that's a big deal, right? Um, and I left and I'm, and I'm walking down King Street in Shippensburg at, I don't know, 11, 12 o'clock at night. And uh, I'm walking past the Shippensburg Library. It's on my left. And I'm walking down King Street. I'm in the moment for the first time in a long, long time. And I'm walking past uh, the Shippensburg Library, and I'm looking at the accent lighting on the landscaping. And the next building, and mind you, I've lived there for four years prior to this. And the next building, there's a light on in this building. And there was a big bar, a big bar and fucking people everywhere. And I was like, oh, great. Like, this is an old-timer bar. I'm going to go in here and get hammered with these guys. Like, this is going to be great. Um, and I walk in, I open the door, I poke my head in and I said, Hey, is this a bar? And the guy behind the counter said, no, it's a sober bar. I can get you a cup of coffee if you want. And I remember standing at that door and hearing the word sober. And I, and I thought of Mike F cause he was the first person that I knew in Alcoholics Anonymous. And I knew how fucked up he was and that his life got a lot better. I remember standing at that door thinking about Mike. I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'll take a cup of coffee. And I walked in. 
And I sat down with this man, and this man told me that he was an alcoholic and that his life changed. And he had like 10 months over, and he was talking about his son just dying from a heroin overdose and how God's taking care of him. <clears throat> and uh, I sat with this man, and his name was Russ. And I started telling him how I was feeling. I started telling him that I didn't want to be here anymore because of how ashamed I was of myself. <clears throat> and uh, Russ never called me an alcoholic. Russ never told me I had a problem. Russ said, uh, son, here's a pamphlet. It was a Are You an Addict pamphlet. He said, son, fill this out honestly. You'll be the only one that reads it. And I said, okay. And then he asked me, he goes, would you like to come to church with me tomorrow? And I said, oh, sure. I got nothing else to do. Nobody wants to be around me anyway. And uh, I went home with half a load on and I filled that pamphlet out and I checked every fucking box on that pamphlet. And uh, I remember sitting in bed that night and being like, okay, this is my problem. I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. This is why my life's shit. Um, and I woke up the next morning at like 10.19 and this church service started at 10.30 and I was like, ah, I'm not going to go. And at like 10.21, man, I'm fucking out the door and I get to this church service. I see that man, Russ, that I met at that sober bar the night before and he was so happy to see me. He had these big eyes and he was like, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to come. And I was like, I didn't really think I was going to come either, but I'm here. Um... <laughs> And uh, this woman pastor walked in, and she has the same disease that we have. I didn't know that at the time. But she looked at me. She walked in, and she looked at me. And she looked at me. With, I'll never forget this. She looked at me with these eyes, and she knew every person I've ever heard. She knew every bad thing I've ever done. And she looked at me, and she said, welcome. And then I'm sitting in this church service, <clears throat> and I'm listening to this music, and... Uh, you know, God speaks to me. And he says everything is going to be okay. And since that day, I haven't picked up a drink. Um, but I walked in that bar looking for a drink. I went to that sober bar looking for a drink. Like, I, I, don't, I don't believe that's not a divine spirit leading me there. Um, so I start doing what this guy named Russ tells me to do. Russ became my first sponsor. Russ took me for the first 12 steps or first six steps of Alcoholics Anonymous and then I moved back home. Um, but I started going to meetings right after that. And like, I remember my first meeting was a Tuesday and like I walked in, I, you know, put my hand up and I'm like, I'm Mike, I'm an alcoholic. And like, I believed it. I meant it. And like, I was around people that were just like me. You know, I thought that, like, nobody understood what I was going through and nobody could relate to me. Like, every fucking person in that meeting I related to. And they related to me. And I was like, I'm home. Like, I'm, I'm in this. I, like, I'm 100% in. Um, and I think of that 21-year-old kid today and think about the willingness that he had and how I need to, keep, how I need to be that willing today. Like, I would have done anything Russ told me to do in the beginning. I just didn't want to live the way that I was living anymore. Because I knew if I continued to do what I was doing, I was, I was checking out, you know? And I wanted to live. Um, so I bought in. You know, he told me to go to these meetings and, and make coffee and greet people at the door and told me to get a big book and start reading it. And, 
start working through the steps and um, I felt a part of for the first time in a long time. Um, I I'd, I'd walk into a room and people would say, hey, Mike, how are you? Like, like that's all I ever wanted. And, and I find that in Alcoholics Anonymous is I get, I get to come here and, and people want to see me. You know, I, I, I get to be around people that love, love me and, and love on me. And um, all, that's all I wanted when I was drinking anyway. Um, you know, so I, so I, so I work with Russ for the, the first six months of my sobriety. Then I graduate college and I move home. Um, and I'm terrified at this point. You know, I got six months sober and I'm absolutely terrified of like going to a new place. And, uh, I get connected with this, with this, uh, guy named Mike F and Mike F takes me around, takes me by the hand and walks me around new meetings and in- integrates me to people. And, um, I found home here too. I put my hand up and I said, Mike, I just moved from Shippensburg and I'm, I need a support system. I need help. I don't know how to do this by myself. And, and quickly people were taking me by the hand and, and showing me how to do this thing. And then I got a sponsor here and, you know, started uh, working through the steps with him. And um, I got a job and, and started really doing this thing. But, you know, my life has changed drastically since I came here. Um, you know, if I take an outside view of, like, who I am today and, and, and what Alcoholics, has done, Alcoholics Anonymous has done for me, like, I, I can't even put into words how appreciative and grateful that I am for all of this. I mean, I, I was a lost cause at the end. Like, I, I, I didn't want to be here anymore. And, and I believe that God wants me to be here and, and allowed me to stay here uh, based on that prayer, you know. Um, and, I, and I prayed when I did that foxhole prayer when I was ready to leave here, you know. I said, God, I just want to be happy. And, you know, for the most part, I am happy, you know. Um, but you know, I, this sobriety thing isn't linear, man. Like I, I've go through my sets of challenges, and and um, you know, there there's been obstacles in my life, and and but like I know I, I know I have the opportunity to like get through them, being in this program. Um, I need this thing. Like I know I I know I'll never be happy if I drink alcohol. I don't know a whole lot. We'll just stick that right now. But I know I know a couple of things. I know the drinking the drug is not the answer. And I know there's a God that loves me. And that's the only two things that I know out of this thing. Um, I got to remain a student here. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to know anything. I just, I just want to not drink and, and live a filled life. Um, and today, you know, my life is, is full. Um, and it's simple. You know, a, a highlight for me today is coming home on a Friday after work and cutting my grass. Um, I yearned for simplicity when I was drinking, and, and I never found it. And, and today, it's like I live a very fulfilled and simple life. And, you know, I, I work for uh, a company that uh, I'm passionate about coming to work. I work for an employer that knows what I'm doing and somebody that I respect and, you know, helps me grow as a person every day. Um, and I have amazing friends and a support network today from this program. Um, I don't want to know what I, what would happen to me if I didn't walk through that bar that day. I don't want to know. Um, I, w- I probably wouldn't be here. Um, so I look at every day as like a, it's a blessing for the most part. If I really sit back and think about it and how close I was to 
checking out of this place. Um, every day has to be a blessing. Um, but, you know, the gifts of sobriety today, you know, I've had the opportunity to take one guy through the steps and, you know, he's still sober today and, you know, his life changed exponentially and, you know, he got a better relationship with his wife and his daughter and um, those are the things that I can't put in the words of how grateful I am to have the opportunity to do that. Um, I have a great relationship with my family today. Um, that's something that I never thought I'd have. Um, I accept people for who they are and, and, you know, we have a lot of fun, but, you know, at the end of the day, man, I, you know, I, I came in here at 21 to, to be happy, to be fulfilled. And I find that here, not called synonymous. And that's all I got. Thank you. Thanks for checking out this episode of the New Life Speakers Podcast. Please remember that our group is self-supporting through its seven tradition. Donations can be made by clicking the link on our website, newlifespeakers.org. You can also find a link for this in the description below. Tune in next week for a new speaker, and thanks for listening.